So we're going to be getting into it today. Uh, we're, this is our 57th message in the book of Joshua. We have uh, transitioned out of chapter number 7. I know that was a bit taxing. We had 11 messages there kind of dealing with hidden sin, and that was a little bit like, whew, where you guys, I know we're, we're glad to be done with that. So last message, last week's message was called Back on Track. And as we started this exposition of Joshua chapter number 8, what we were doing is transitioning, as I said, out of the hidden sin that it is dealing with Achan and his family. And what was happening was God was transitioning them over to what it was going to be about the back on track in regards to the conquest over AI and the conquest of Canaan. Now the Lord reminded last week, and we're going to just do a quick review. The Lord reminded them last week that their confidence needed to always be in God, not ever in themselves at all. And understand, this will be the secret to their success. God is reminding them, listen, put your confidence in me. And this will be the secret to our success as well. As we go forward in life, we have to always remember that our confidence must be in the Lord. Our confidence and our dependence upon Him. Guys, He's our provider. He's our creator. Right? He is our Savior. He is our, he's our friend. And it's because of who He is. Right? God's nature. He has forgiven them. He has, he has restored them. And he then reminded Joshua that, listen, you need to understand that you're not the one that needs to choose your destination. God needs to choose your destination. They selected AI initially, and they had created their own battle plan. They'd worked everything out and done it all in the way that they wanted to achieve it. And what happened was it was was a, a big flop. But what we realized is the fact that this aspect of God selecting our destination is legitimate for us as well. We have to have a heart and a willingness to say, Lord, you know what, not what I want, but but what you want. Allow God to guide and direct us. Because can I promise you this? God's plan for your life is way better than the one you have. I am living living testament of that because this is not what I would have ever dreamed in a million, zillion years, having never been in church my entire life. Up to the age of 34 years old, I never sat in a church service of any kind other than a funeral or wedding. So I'd never heard the gospel. The night I heard the gospel was the very first time I ever heard it, and God used it to change my life. And so now, 20 years later, he allows me to do this, and I'm telling you, this, again, this was not my plan, but I would not change it for anything in the world. Listen, no one can stand against them. That's the thing that God reaffirmed his promise to them. When they first went into Canaan, he said, listen, you guys, are you can't be defeated. You guys will not lose. No one will be able to stand against you. So what he was doing is reinforcing their confidence in his his promise. And the fact is, their promise, their confidence would be not in who they were, but in who God was. It was his identity that gave them assurance of that. And the thing was, he promised them, he said, look, you're going to be victorious. This thing is going to be a done deal. So what's happened is they've dealt with the hidden sin as God expected them to, and God's promise, again, is reinstated. So what he's telling them is, listen, before you even get where you're going, just so you know, you've already won. And can I tell you, as children of God, before you finish this life, can I tell you, you've already won. Amen. (laughs) Our victory was delivered by the Lamb. Amen. Praise the Lord. By the Lamb of God, who cometh to take away the sins of the world. That's right. God's love for humanity, man, and we are victorious. And the last thing he did was he he went through this logistics. He kind of started laying out the tactics of what it would take in order for them to succeed against AI. And what we'll do today is we're actually going to take and start to look at how God's plan was implemented in the message today. Now, it's going to be several parts. As of right now, I think it's two parts. It might be three. We'll see what God does next week. But this message is is titled, Setting the Stage for Victory, Part 1. And this message today is commissioned into service. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today, for your people, uh, for your word, for your spirit. God, I am confident that you have spoken to me. I have no doubt 
And Lord, I'm asking you now that uh, you would speak through me. Lord, I, my desire is not to be heard. My desire is to disappear, but God, I can't. So, uh, Lord, I pray that you just help the human element to be removed from this message. Let my stumbling tongue, uh, tongue uh, speak clearly. And, uh, Lord, uh, grip our hearts and show us what you need us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to witness as the Lord sort of goes through this, directing the preparation of AI. What he's going to do is work through Joshua. And we're going to see Joshua unite his forces. The second thing he's going to do is call out the courageous. The third thing he'll do is assign their objective. Then he'll give godly insight and direction. And the last, he's going to expose their path to victory. We'll be in Joshua chapter 8, verses 3 through 8. So Joshua rose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose out 30,000 men of valor and mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, ye shall lie and wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. And I and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city, and it shall come to pass when they come out against us as the first that we will flee before them, for they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say they flee before us as at the first. Therefore will we flee before them. Then ye shall rise up from the ambush and seize upon the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it shall be when you have taken the city that you shall set, set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord shall ye do. See, I have commanded you. And what we see here is Joshua and the Israelites having been restored back to God. Now their mind shift is, is shifting the way that they're thinking. They're going from defeated and despondent into becoming the warriors that God's called them to be. They're to face off against God's enemy. So these newly restored people have got a confidence in Joshua and in God, and now he's going to unite his forces. Verse 3 started this way, so Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. There is a battle at hand, and we see a unified people preparing to fight. The Israelites are standing with Joshua. We see here that they arise with him, prepared to follow him. Joshua's going to lead them in moving forward. This is going to be key to their, and instrumental to their success. Take note that every able-bodied warrior is completely committed to following Joshua, to take the task that's set before them. There aren't any that are wishy-washy that are on the fence going, you know what, I, I lost my sword. Uh, yeah, my, my foot hurts. My, my, I, I, think, I think my shoe's untied. There's none of that, right? These guys are all stepping up to do what God's called them to do. They are a unified force of warriors prepared to fight God's enemies. And listen, listen. As, and can I tell you that it is their unity and their submission to Joshua that will deliver the victory. It is their unity and their submission to follow Joshua that will be key. Joshua is submitted to following God. That's where his heart is. We've seen him be restored. He's going to follow the leading of God. And so, as these people follow him. They are following God. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. You see, as we unify behind our leaders, if they're following God, then guess what? We're following God. Does that make sense? If they're following God, then we're following God. But then the question comes to this. How do we know if our leaders are following God? How do we discern that? How do we how do we understand it? Because recognize, not everyone will. People are human. People make mistakes. People are going to fail. But Jesus gave us a rubric that we can measure it by, which is really wonderful. In Matthew chapter number 7, verses 15 through 20, notice he says this, Beware of false prophets, okay? Those that aren't real. Here you go. Which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. 
They look harmless, but they are anything but. They're destructive. Verse 16, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? You don't gather grapes off of thorn bushes and figs out of bushes that are covered with thorns. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Remember what happened to Achan. Wherefore, verse 20, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. So we look at our leaders and we go, okay, we're going to look at the way that they, the way that they speak. The way that they speak. The way that they respond to adversity. Maybe the way they deal with temptation. And another really important one. How they address the needs of others. We're supposed to have the the love of God in us. It's supposed to be evident in the way that we function. The Bible uses the word charity. That's the love of God manifested through a person. And so we're looking for that. The traits of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And so when we look at this person's life, is this what we see? Listen, no matter how charismatic they may be, no matter how good of a conversationalist they may be, how friendly they may be, we must pay attention to their lives. Now, there was a pastor I worked for years for. I'd gotten saved on a Saturday. On Sunday, I went to church for the very first time. And I worked and served in that ministry for about 14, 15 years. And what was amazing is I was always taught by this person individually, by the way, that you always listen to the pastor, always follow the pastor, don't question the pastor, always do exactly what he says. Can I tell you that? If you guys think I'm doing something wrong, question me, talk to me, address me, please. Because you know what? I'm human. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this thing up. We all do. How many of us have made mistakes? Hello, right? We're all in the same boat. So what happens is this man, I was taught that you, know, you just follow, 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 follow. But there were things that showed up in his life that I was like, eh, that doesn't really jive with what I think we're supposed to be doing. And I would go and address these issues with him, and it was, it was an issue of pride and frustration and all this stuff like that. So what actually happened was, over a period of time, God revealed what was going on. You know what? That man actually just only got saved about two years ago. Right. Wasn't even saved. Just someone who was in ministry who just thought that's what he's supposed to do got caught up in the power of it and the control of it and had a big ego, and it, was, it all went, went from there. So we understand it's the fact that, listen, and a caveat, just keep in mind that no one is perfect, right? Don't set people on pedestals that you're going to expect that they will not make mistakes, that they will not fail. Amen. What we find Amen. is the fact that, you know, uh, many times, because we're to give grace, okay? Give grace in regards to when they disappoint you personally, okay? Now, what I mean by that is this. When they, when they fail you, you know what? Have a heart of forgiveness. Have a heart of grace. Give them, give them the benefit of the doubt. But when they fail God, when they fall into sin, it cannot be accepted. It must be addressed. It absolutely must be addressed. Because it does not matter who commits the sin. God is not a respecter of persons. Right. We know that. God is never okay with sin. So what we realize is the fact that, look, and what problem we have many times in our churches, people get way more upset about how that failure of that individual or that leader impacts them personally and the offense that they have personally. They're willing to address that offense. But the ones against God, they tend to just kind of turn the other way. Yeah, it's just the way he is. We must not have that heart. We must have a willingness to address those things which are wrong. And we pray for God to reveal to us the truth of who a person is. Because I can promise you, over time, 
good or bad, the truth will be revealed. When Moses was talking to the two and a half tribes as they were entering into Canaan, there were the two and a half tribes, and he was talking to them about their faithfulness to stick to their brothers. And as he addressed them in Numbers 32, 23, he said this, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be, sh- be, ye- be sure your sin will find you out. In time, the truth of who someone is will come out. I mean, understand, our Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will never fail us. He will never fail us. And as leaders, right, our job is not to create dependence upon us. Our job is to create dependence upon God. We need to eliminate ourselves from the equation because guess what? Humanity fails. The only reason why I was able to succeed or or to to move forward after that experience and that ministry was the fact that my eyes were always on the Lord. And so when he fell, I said, you know what? Just get out of the way. We're following God. We follow God. We follow God because guess what? He will not fail us. So after unifying the forces next, Joshua will call out the courageous. Verse 3 says this, And Joshua chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. Okay, so when it comes to standing against the forces of the wicked, everyone is going to be called out. They're all going to they're all going to face off. But there are specific individuals that are specially equipped to do more than others would do. Joshua refers to them as mighty men of valor. The term mighty men of valor first appears in Joshua chapter 1, verse 14. Again, talking to those two and a half tribes, Joshua says this, Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which, God, or which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan, but ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them. So these were the elite soldiers, the elite guardians or, God, or, or, or soldiers in God's army. This would be like your army rangers, your, your navy seals or whatever else there are that are special forces. So we're talking well-trained. These guys are experienced. And most importantly, these guys are courageous. They are, they're brave. Valor is a term that describes individuals who have a personal bravery, an internal courage. And these 30,000 men are being sent on a special clandestine night mission. And what's interesting about this is, guess what? They were equipped to do what he was asking them to do. And can I promise you, listen, that if God calls us to do something, if he calls us and you know it's God calling you, he has already equipped you to accomplish what he's calling you to do. Amen. We have a tendency to second guess ourselves or doubt. Consider the Lord Jesus Christ. When he chose his disciples, they're men from all different walks of life. You know, a doctor, uh, you know, a tax collector, a fisherman, different talents, different abilities, different skills. But the Lord chose them. You know why he chose them? Because he knew they were capable of accomplishing what it was he would ask of them. He already knew it. They didn't know it, but he did. That is instrumental for us. And listen, that's the truth. That's true for you and I. If God calls you to share your testimony, Instead of going, yeah, I wouldn't know what to say. And, uh, right? We, we get into our own heads. We can talk ourselves out of doing all kinds of things God calls us to do. So if it's sharing our testimony, if it's ministering to someone, I wouldn't know what to say. Listen, just, just surrender. Just do it. If it's defending the faith, listen, be willing to speak. If God calls us to do something, it's because He's equipped us to accomplish it. That's absolutely, we must have that truth. Because we are our own worst enemy when it comes to serving the Lord. We get in our own way. It's not that we're brimming with confidence and we feel like, oh man, you know, I can do this. I got this. No. 
but they understand the fact that He knows we can do it. And, and Rachel, who is just a church member, just like anybody else, yet Rachel now serves in the Dominican Republic. It's not the safest place in the world. She works in a, in a young woman's home. These are girls that are pulled out of the sex trade. They're pulled off the streets from all kinds of just such destructed, broken, hurting lives. And when we met with her in the Dominican and she shared her heart about what's going on there. And you hear the stories of these young girls. It just breaks your heart. Amen. And you know what they do? They minister to them. Amen. They encourage them. Praise they take the word of God and they help to heal them out of where they come, where they feel unloved, unworthy, unimportant. They're hopeless and they're broken. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, guess what? There is someone who has a special place in his heart for you. Amen. And he created you. Amen. For a purpose. That's right. That's not what you've known. You can be restored. You can be redeemed. What a beautiful thing that she gets to do. And listen, we're not all going to be called to do that. But there are certain mighty men of valor that God will choose. And He'll take them out of the regular army. And He'll say, you know what? I'm entrusting you to do this duty. And we may not all be equipped to do that. But listen, if God calls you to a work, if He calls you to a person, if He calls you to a place, it's because He knows you can do the job. He has confidence in us when we don't. And the devil's going to tell you, you cannot do it. Your family may tell you that you cannot do it. But can I tell you, if God calls you, you can do it. Our job is not to second guess our abilities or second guess God's plan. Our, God is, our, our job is to respond with a willing heart, with confidence in Him. Not, not in us. You see, our willingness to surrender to His service, that's what will be the key to our success. If we see the difference between the average Christian and those who God would call the mighty men of valor, is the average Christian disregards the call, ignores the call, or tries to think of excuses of why they can't answer the call. The mighty men of valor, they just answer for duty. I'm ready. That's the difference. So which one? Which one are we? Right. We have to search our hearts. Mm-hmm. Next, Joshua will assign their objective, verse number four. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, ye shall lie and wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. Now these 30,000 men are giving their, their, their marching orders. They understand that they're going on a covert mission. They're to lie in wait behind the city of Ai. They're supposed to be ready to wage war on God's enemies at a moment's notice. He says, you are too. What does he say? Be ye all ready. All they know. Listen, they don't know when they're going to go. They don't know all the details of what's to happen. But what we know is this. They're not supposed to hesitate. They're not supposed to second guess. It will be their personal courage, the, the, the courage they have within them, and, their conju- and in conjunction with their faith in Joshua that will give them what they need and enable them to do what God's called them to. And listen, you and I, we may not know the location of what God's going to call us, where He's going to call us, what He's going to call us to do. The key is just simply responding to the call. Because can I tell you? He's going to call. He's got a call on our life. Where we're going to go, what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, it's up to Him. But the thing is, what's God command for all of us? When we think about the army of God, the body of believers, what are we supposed to be ready to do in a moment's notice? 
Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Okay? And listen, and because of who you are, and because of who I am and who you are in me, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Give the gospel to the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Add virtue to their faith. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. Disciple them, develop them in their faith. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Listen, this is why we're still here. If it was about being close to God, He would kill you and take you home. But because we have a duty and a mission that we've been left to accomplish. Listen, why does Peter exhort us to tell the good news to anybody who will listen? Those that will listen and those that won't. Listen in 1 Peter 3, verses 15 through 18. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready, just like those soldiers, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Why is there hope within my heart? Because I am a born-again child of God who's been redeemed by the Son of God. Listen, we share our testimony, understanding that the only reason this is our story is because of the grace of God. We're not better than anybody else. Verse 16, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. You know what? All that matters in the end is that God is pleased. We don't worry about what people think. Verse 17, for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evildoing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. The same Spirit that brought him to life out of that tomb is the very same Spirit that comes into us and resurrects our dead spirit. Our mission is an eternal one with eternal consequences. And we must always remind ourselves of that truth. The next... In order to, in preparing them, Joshua will do this. Number four, he will give godly insight and direction. Verse five and six is this. And I and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city, and it shall come to pass when they come out against us, as, the fir- as at the first, that we will flee before them. For they will come out after us. Here's a little excerpt. Guess what? This is what's going to happen. Till we have drawn them from the city, for they, they will say, they flee before us, as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. You see, Joshua, guided by God, has given insight into the way that their enemy literally thinks and will respond. He knows the forces of evil better than they know themselves. He knows what they're going to do. He understands their, tra- their tactics and their strategies. And listen, God's people, their confidence in God should be going up and up and up. Remember what he said to them in Joshua 8.1. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. You know what he's saying? This thing is a done deal. It's done. And did you know that when God calls us to do something for him, it's already a done deal? He sees the end before the beginning. Listen, remember that God only requires faithfulness of us. We don't have to have talent, ability, or skill. No, it is faithfulness. Will we respond? Will we do what God calls us to do? The results are up to God. We do what we're called to do, and the results are up to God. The question is, will we be faithful? 
That's the only thing we can control. See, the Lord knows the enemy that we face. He knows the tactics that they're going to employ. He knows what it would require for in order for us to be victorious. As we previously mentioned, listen, God's already given us all that we need to succeed. We already have it. We think we need additional information. I need to be prepared and ready, and I can do this, that, and the other. No. If God's calling you to it, it's because you're ready now. Listen, we have right now the indwelling Spirit of God. If you're a child of God today, if you're a born-again child, you have the indwelling Spirit of God. Amen. Next, Amen. we have a personal relationship with the Creator of the universe. That's right. Consider this. We're on a first-name basis with the Creator. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Jesus. Guess what? He knows us by name. He created us. He literally fashioned our DNA. He knows us better than anybody. Amen. We have that kind of relationship with Him. We have 24-hour access to His prayer hot, hotline helpline. Right? You need Him whenever you call. Guess what? You're connected yes. to the Creator. Yes. How beautiful is that? Amen. We have insights and instructions on God in every possible scenario we can, we can ever come up with in His Word. You name it, it's in there. We have the ability to have the power of God work through us to do incredible things. Not because we're talented, but because we're surrendered. Yes. Submitted people. God does great things through them. Amen. So it's, it's not a matter of not having what we need in order to be victorious. The problem that we have is because of our self-confidence and because of our pride. We just don't use them. Right. We're full of ourselves. We think we have the answers. Do you remember what Paul was taught by God when he wouldn't take that thorn of the flesh out of Paul? Paul's suffering. He asked three different times, God, would you take it out? Would you take it out? Would you take it out? And he wouldn't. Notice this, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength, this is God speaking, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Yes. Paul's conclusion is this, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul finally understands that it's only through his personal weakness that he has access to the incredible power of God. And listen, when it comes to fighting the battles for the Lord, the weaker and more dependent we can be upon Him, the greater victories God can do through our lives. Dependence and weakness. Verse 10, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I'm thankful for the hard things I suffer, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, mm, then am yes. I strong. Yes, yes. And there is no weaker position in battle than surrender. Retreating, which is the whole plan, right? They're supposed to go up there and turn around and run. And so with confidence in God, not themselves, the forces are going to go up against AI prepared to run. Now, when it comes to running from the warriors of AI, they have a little bit of experience. They've been there before. Now, when they previously marched up there, guess what? They were full of, of, uh, of spit and vinegar and toughness, and they were like, man, we're going to take this. We got this. They were full of confidence. And, man, they got their hands handed to them, man. They got whooped. Thirty-six men died in that first initial thing, and they were freaked out and scared, and they ran. They went from tough to terrified. Right. And so here they went, boom. Now, that was an involuntary response in submission to their fear, okay? Now, what we're going to see, so they're running for their lives in that moment. But now, what we see this time is a voluntary. They are running voluntarily in submission to their faith. So before they were in submission to their fear, emotionally responding, now they're going forward in faith, submitted to God. As it will be their confidence in God and the insight that He's given them that will literally have them ready to, to retreat, right? They're not actually weak. 
So we see here their dependence upon themselves, which is apparent strength in the way the world sees things, was what brought them defeat. But from the world's perspective here, their dependence upon God appears to be weakness in the world. But that will be the key to victory. Okay? This is an important lesson for us to learn. The more dependent we are upon ourselves, the less God's going to be able to work through us. The more defeats you're going to face. Spiritually, oh my goodness. But the more surrender. The Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We don't even have to fight. All we have to do is is resist. Mm -hmm. So now, consider this. And this made me think about the way the Lord deals with the submission that he gave to the cross. We think about this. Philippians 2, verses 7 through 8. As the forces of evil are amassed against him, it says this about Jesus, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Okay? So because he knew what needed to happen in order for victory over to sin to take place, Jesus did not access his power. He could have stopped it at any point in time. He could have saved himself, but he chose not to. He delivered himself up, appearing weak and helpless, so that he could bring the ultimate victory. Just like Joshua is here. He's purposefully appearing weak. Listen, man, our Savior did the very same thing in order to defeat his enemies. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 7 and 8. What's interesting about this? Notice. But speak the wisdom of God, but we speak the wisdom of God in mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. He's saying, listen, God, before the world began, he already had a plan for the Savior. He already had a plan for Christ to go to the cross. That was already the plan. Which none of the princes of this world, the princes of this world, that's the devil and the forces of evil. Listen, which none of the princes of this world knew. Okay, They did not know God's plan. And because they did not know God's plan which they happened to stumble into. For had they known it, listen to this, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they'd have realized what they were stepping into by following through with this crucifixion, which is what God set them up for, guess what? That apparent weakness was in reality a strength. And listen, what we find here is they unwittingly played into God's hand. For you see, he knew their tactics and their strategies, and he used them against them. That's exactly what Joshua's doing here. As he explains how the Israelites will be victorious over AI. Did you know that when we study the Bible, guess what? Yes, we learn about God. There's no doubt about it. But guess what we also learn about? We learn about our enemy. Not only when we're studying the Bible and we're learning about righteousness, what is the Bible also teaching us about? Unrighteousness. Oh, absolutely. There's a ton about, the, about wickedness. There's the, yeah, there's the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them. But guess what? When it comes to the works of the flesh, there's 17 plus of them. And it says, and the such. So we learn about the good, but we also learn about the bad. We study his word to get insight into Satan and his tactics so we know how he operates. This is so important. Why do football teams watch the footage of the other team? They learn what the opposition is going to do. Why does a boxer watch another boxer fight? He's looking for his weakness. He's looking for the tactics that he employs. Because if you're going to defeat your enemy, you have to know him. If you're not in the Word of God to learn who the devil is, guess what? He can easily play, take advantage of you. He can work you over and you have no clue what's going on. But when we understand who he is, 
We can see His work even in our own lives try to influence us. So we understand who God is, but we also understand who the enemy is. Then verse 5, or the fifth, fifth thing Joshua will do. Verses 7 and 8. Then you shall rise up from the ambush and seize upon the city, for the Lord your God will deliver into your hands. And it shall be when you have taken the city that ye shall set the, set, set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord. Shall ye do? See, I have commanded you. So after explaining to them, what's going to happen is he's going to personally lead the forces out to face off against AI. They're going to draw the men out. And when they draw them out, what will happen? Joshua's shifting his attention. These are instructions to the elite warriors. This is uh, those mighty men of valor. Informing them that when the men of AI come out, what they're going to do is they're going to take the city. God's going to deliver the city to them. And when they take that city, they're supposed to burn that city. What's interesting historically is AI is very, very hard to pin down where it is. You know why? Because it was almost completely a wooden structure. And they burned it to the ground. So we're not exactly sure where AI is. But what we see here is the fact that, listen, as these men are retreating and as the things are burning, this, and, and recognize the fact that God deals with his enemies with fire, right? He judges his enemies with fire. We get to see that consistently throughout. But this city that had previously overwhelmed them is going to be completely overwhelmed. Yeah. It's going to be devastated. And what we see in this explanation of what Joshua is telling us is the assurance that God brings to opposition in our lives. How God's presence, how his insight helps us so dramatically. Where they had previously been scattered and fearful and defeated by following their own way of thinking. Now, because of the fact that they have a restored relationship with God, we see a people that are coming together. They're unified together. They're working to accomplish God's will. Doing it God's way. Not doing it their way to accomplish their will. And so as Joshua unites his forces, calls out the courageous, assigns their objective, gives godly insight and direction, exposes their path to victory, the people will respond as a faithful army of God. Instead of a bunch of uh, army of men. Understand, each one is going to take responsibility for the role that he's been given. Each one will step up and what it is required of him in defeating the enemies of God. And listen, maybe you've been previously defeated. Maybe you've tried to stand up for God and you have failed. Listen, many of us, that's our story. Right. We thought we were going to do such great things for God and there were stumbling blocks in our way and man, we fell flat on our face. But can I tell you, God is a God of restoration. Amen. God is a God of restoration and redemption. And we talked about last week, not only does God forgive our sins, but He forgets our Amen. sin. He doesn't Amen. bludgeon us with our past. He lifts us up and says, look, I believe in you. Amen. He's our biggest fan. Right. He's always calling us to more. And so as we look at this, and we think about this, we, we can allow our, our defeats to stop us, but, we, but I mean, that's the last thing we should do. The devil wants you to stay where you are. But can I tell you that our Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is calling us to battle, every single one of us. If you are a child of God today, if you know Christ, you are being called. You're being called into the battle. Amen. It may be as a mighty man of valor. You might be in those special forces. Might be God's calling you to be a missionary, to be a, to be a minister. Maybe God's calling you to, to be a discipler. Maybe God's calling you to be a church planner. Maybe that's where you fit. Maybe... Maybe you're just a mom who wants her child to love the Lord. Amen. Maybe you're a mom that's vested in your child and you've given your whole heart. 
with a desire to see your kids walk with God. We talk about all the time. Our kids, man, if they love the Lord, we've done our job. If they learn to follow God, we've done our job. Worldly success doesn't matter. In the end, they'll stand before God just like we will. And God holds us accountable as parents to set our children on the right course. And for those of you moms that have done that, praise God, thank you. Your investment is not in vain, I can promise you. And those of you maybe that go, you know what, I need to. Hey, man, start today. Listen, we can't worry about yesterday. All we can do is change today and be that godly mother that your children desperately need. Such an amazing opportunity to invest in the next generation. What an amazing, amazing thing you can do. I'm so thankful for my mom, for the impact she's had on my life. She wasn't a believer growing up, but praise God. God, let me share the gospel with my mother. Amen. My wife shared the gospel with her mother. Praise How Lord. beautiful what God can do through his word Amen. in the lives of family. So be encouraged to be more. Maybe God's going to call you just to be a church member who's going who's to be uh, compelled to reach the community around you. You're going to have a heart for souls. You're going to be, uh, you hand out tracts, you share your testimony, you're willing to speak. Maybe you're an employee at your job and God's saying, you know what I need you to do? In that place, I need you to live my word. I need your testimony to be crystal clear. I need people to be turning to you when they have questions and you, you shine. Because listen, it's a dark world. It's a dark world and people are looking for the light and it's us. We're a reflection of the light. Christ is the sun. We're the moon. We shine into the darkness. This world is sitting in a spiritual night right now. Amen. And it needs light. Ephesians tells us we shine as, as lights. Right. We're supposed to make a difference. There are people right now that are hopeless. People like Rachel deals with that are hopeless. And the most wonderful thing is, there is hope. Amen. There is hope. And how beautiful to be one of the broken people of this world that's been restored. To be able to let your life speak into someone else's life. Instead of hating our past and our failures, we can see how our failures can become a tool that we can reach someone else with. Amen. We know what our mission is. No doubt about it. We know what our mission is. And listen, our enemy is strong. (laughs) No doubt about it. He's got great influence, great control. Any media you look at, it is riddled with wickedness. Absolutely riddled with it. But his power dwarfs. It is insignificant next to the power of God. You thought I was going to say the power of the force. If you're a Star Wars fan, but I'm not going to say it. (laughs) I was thinking it though. But insignificant next to God. It's a joke next to God. So when God calls us to something, no matter how daunting it may be in our flesh and how fearful we might be, Hey, he's already enabled us to accomplish it. God has a purpose and a plan. He's enabled us to fulfill. And what we'll see next week is that as the smoke rises up from the fire, that's going to set the stage for something else. And the forces that we're running are going to turn. They're going to face off against wickedness. And listen, if God, if he had a great work for you to do, and he called you to it 
today, would you respond? Because I can promise you, as a child of God, he's calling you to something. Yes. He's calling you to something. There is a battle for the souls of men going on in the world as we speak. And there's a role for us to fulfill. The question is, will we receive our commission? Or will we run from it? The majority of Christians are running. God's looking for mighty men of valor that will step up. Trust God and do what others will not do. Will you receive it? That's between you and him. Time to decide. It's now. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your message. Thank you for your word. Uh, God, and I do pray that, uh, Lord, I know that I get in the way, and I'm sorry. But I pray, Father, that you use uh, what I was able to communicate today, Lord, to, to grip our hearts. Lord, help us to see the mission set before us. Help us, Lord, to step into the role that you've commissioned us to fulfill. And God, I pray that you help us to walk with confidence, not in ourselves, but in you. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed. Look, if you're here today and you say, look, you know what? I know God's calling me to something more. I don't know exactly what it is, but I feel the drawing. Would you pray for me, Pastor, that I can step into what God's calling me to be? If that's you today and you want me to pray for you, say, look, God's calling me and I want to step up. If that's you, lift your hand and just say, look, that's me. Amen. 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 Look at all those hands. Amen. Amen. And if you're here today and you say, look, I don't even know where I stand with God. Listen, 20 years ago, someone asked me if I died today, if I knew for sure I'd go to heaven. And I said, I hope so. I had no clue. And they took the gospel and they shared it with me. They told me, guess what, David? You're a sinner. And I knew that. I knew I was a failure. I knew I dropped the ball. I knew I was a mess. But then they shared with me, guess what? The result of that, the ramification of that, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That's a separation from God. That meant I was going to go to hell. And if you're here today and you say, look, I don't have a relationship with Christ, can I promise you this? You don't have to be an axe murderer or a liar or a thief. You can just be a regular person. But guess what? The Bible says, for all of sin, it comes short of the glory of God. None of us. None of us are good enough. And as God's compelling you right now, and as you feel Him drawing you, you may not be hearing a call to service, but you're hearing a call to salvation. And as He calls your heart, you know it. And all you have to do is respond. As He calls you today, if you're willing to receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, all it takes is a willing heart. There's no magic prayer. There's no ceremony. It's a matter of surrendering to the call. As he calls you today, do you understand that you're a sinner? Do you understand that you need a Savior? Do you understand that he's willing to receive you right now? And all it takes is a matter of faith. The Bible says, for, for by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So their heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, look, I, I want to receive Christ. I know right now I'm, I'm lost. I want Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. It will not be the words of the prayer that will do anything for you. Don't, don't hold on to the words. It's your heart God's listening to. So as we pray, I'm going to pray out loud. You can pray in your heart, in your mind, online, watching this recorded. God's listening, I can promise. Repeat after me. In your heart and mind, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for the way that I failed you. The way that I failed my family. 
and failed myself. I'm asking you right now to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I trust you with all my heart to be my savior. Will you come into my heart? Will you save my soul? Will you redeem me and make me a child of God? Lord, I, I want to live for you. Help me to surrender this life. God, thank you for saving me. I'll see you in heaven one day. For it's in Jesus' name I pray and give thanks. Amen.